giving our viewer what they like. You know? <laughs> Singular viewer. What Come is on, Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> this is this is radio listener. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's true. I'm gonna viewer. go on. That's dumb. <laughs> that was stupid. I'm gonna go on Anchor right now. All right, our podcast has an estimated audience of 17. Oh. I'm I'm actually upset that might be a little bit larger than Offside Sports right now. Ah! <laughs> oh no, never mind. Our estimated audience size on Offside Sports is twenty. Hack well, off. We get it. Plus, we we turned on monetization on Offside Sports, so we've made a whopping one dollar and sixty six cents in advertising revenue over uh, our four month run up to this point. <laughs> That's fantastic. You're making it big. Jeez. Oh, yeah. When are you retiring? Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. Sorry. All right. Okay. All right, should I enter the show? Let's do it. Do it. <clears throat> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Q4 podcast, the only podcast available on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen, where you can find TJ, Anthony, and Noah discussing whatever happens to be on their mind that day. Hello, friends. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. I uh, I had my alarm set before this episode um, because it's not really early. It's nine nine thirty right now. But I had my alarm set for a half hour before the episode that we were supposed to be recording, right? And I woke up and I shut my alarm off and I promptly fell back asleep. Um, so I woke up like I was in that weird kind of half sleep state. Where, like, you're dreaming, but you can also kind of, like, roll around and move, and you you get that you're doing that. Um, And I was in the middle of my dream, and my brain was like, oh, wait, we have an episode to record. And I, like, jerked awake, and uh, (laughs) now I feel tired because of it. I feel more tired than I was when my alarm went off, so (laughs) it's a great start to the day. I feel like that always happens. It's... Is if you don't get up with your alarm and you go, just that extra five minutes can just destroy you and yep. just make you feel so tired. Yeah, I currently have a large caramel macchiato from Ooh. my favorite corner corporate coffee store. Uh, <laughs> and I got it for free. Sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored, which is why I'm not saying their name. <laughs> I'm not going to say your name and give you free publicity if you're not going to give us money. Not that yeah. we've asked. But. Uh, can, can, can I guess what it is without saying the actual name? If I, if yeah. I say, like, a, is it yeah. Donkin Dunst? You're absolutely right. It's Donkin Dunst. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I have no That's only idea because what Tom Hurtens is. is in here. <laughs> what's, your, what's your go-to? Is that your go-to coffee drink? Like, if you're going to buy it somewhere, Caramel Macchiato? So I'll either go, I'll usually go, um, either a, I'll usually go a mocha, uh, but Duncan, I'm going to be honest, their mocha is not good. Uh, so I get the caramel macchiato instead. 
Uh, I usually just get the iced coffee at Dunkin', but when they give me a free any size, any drink, I'm like, I'm going to get the most expensive drink I can buy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I get a large caramel macchiato, which is like five and a half dollars, and I got it for free, and it's enough coffee, because they put like, what, six shots of espresso in a large? No, so no, 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 I- no, 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 no. It's a- <laughs> that would kill not that you. much. It's, it's only, usually for like a large, they do maybe like two or three shots okay um, but this this large is it's legit 40 ounces like right no it's but, i'm just saying like like six shots of espresso is that could kill a bull um <laughs> not not that not much but but honestly like like usually most coffee places are going to go to also because it's just it's expensive um so most places are going to put in three and that's still going to be that's going to be potent um I know because my my usual coffee order is just a, a large coffee, uh, uh, and they'll do a, a shot or two. Sh- no, yeah, they'll do three shots of espresso, and then I'll always ask for an extra one. And they're like, "Are you sure this one already has you know three shots?" They're like, "Yes, bring it on." So, <laughs> and that that's across the board. That's at at, at Starbucks, at Caribou, at Dunkin'. Um, uh, so yeah, so I highly doubt that there are six shots. If there are. Oh my gosh, TJ, you are going to be wired for the rest well, see, of the day. The, the thing, the reason I think that is because I can only drink about a third of it before I'm like convulsing. I'm, or... I'm too, <laughs> I am too stoked to continue. Um, so I, the the beauty of it is that I get the large for free, and then it's coffee for the next three days. So I okay, just put it in go. the fridge. And then have it the next morning. So this is a, a coffee I I got yesterday, but I'm currently drinking because it was already iced, and I put it in the fridge, and we're golden. Smart. That's that's very that's very like long term planning of you. I'm I'm impressed yeah. by that. I wouldn't have the self control to do that, so I I commend you, TJ. Yeah. You you have my my total admiration on this. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those people where it's like, oh. My my heart hurts, my head hurts, my arms are shaking, but it tastes really good. I'm gonna keep drinking it. Yep, then, I'm right like, there with you, Anthony. Yeah, it'd be that'd be so hard for me to just be like, ah, nope, I'm done. Yeah. All right, I'm looking at the amount. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that puts that about at about maybe four shots of espresso. Um, yeah. The large, uh, ma- or the large macchiato at Dunkin' Donuts has 371 milligrams of caffeine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which is why I can only drink a third of it. That's It makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Now there was a... I, I know you entered the, the show like 10 minutes ago. Um, yeah, it's fair. Real, yeah, real quick. Um, there was a, a, a night that I was working. I was director of Tommy Media, so this would have been last fall. Uh, I pulled an all-nighter uh, doing um, some coverage, and then we had our... Uh, uh, election coverage uh, the next day. Uh, no, sorry, we did election coverage. That was my all-nighter, and then I had to be up for I forget what the next day. Uh, so I did um, uh, a large coffee with five shots of espresso. Oh my Good lord! Gosh. Um, I thought that'd be okay. That's this is going to be the jolt that I need to wake up. I'll be good to that's, go. I'll be. That's a lot more. That's like charging your car battery with a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, I. 
for like the first hour or two, I was feeling all right. I, was like, I had it around like 8 or 8.30 in the morning. I'm like, okay, this is good. I went through, did my Tommy Media ship feeling great. As soon as I left, uh, I, I, I like stood up from my desk and I could just feel something in my body shift. I'm like, uh-oh, that's not good. And throughout the rest of the day, my head was spinning. My hands were shaking. Um, I felt like I was going to keel over <laughs> at a couple points throughout the day. So... Uh, that is something I would not recommend. Uh, always, always keep to, you know, three shots maximum. Yeah, geez. And, and I'll be the one to bring up the obvious. That's about six to eight bathroom runs the rest of the day, too, with all of that espresso in your system. Good Lord. Yep. Yeah. My, my systems were, were, were cleaned out that day. It was. Uh, sorry. I, I kind of just. We rebantered there. I apologize, TJ. Yeah. Hey, we've started both of our episodes this week and last week with talk about fast food, so I think this is okay. Um, and honestly, like 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 we were talking about at the at the beginning of the show, this is this is the the only chance we get to talk to each other. Plus, it shows that the, to our our loyal audience of hundreds of thousands of dedicated listeners, seventeen uh, that we actually. <laughs> That we actually enjoy being with each other and talking with each other. So I'm sure they'll enjoy this. If not, they can heck off and find some other dumb sports podcast to listen to. Right. Good luck. Yeah, there are other sports podcasts. You can, if you want to <laughs> listen to sports, you can listen to a sports podcast. This is a sports podcast with air quotes is what what I call this one. For sure. Um, yeah. But on that topic, I think we're going to go Q1. Let's do it. Uh, so we're going to have lots of NFL talk today because we're at the end of the season and it just feels right. Um, but before that, we uh, we need to talk about a certain Astros team and a thing that has happened to them because we haven't talked about that. Um, so we need to. Yeah, so just for a real quick summary of this cheating scandal, basically the Astros were, f- have, were found to have used an intricate sign-stealing system using technology uh, during 2017 up through their World Series win. And so the uh, uh, commissioner of baseball hit them with one of the steepest penalties that we've seen in recent history. They The Astros were fined $5 million. They lost uh, their first and second round draft picks for both this year and next year. And their general manager and their manager, Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch, uh, were suspended and then promptly fired by the team. And this fallout is, is continuing to go through the league because Carlos Beltran, who was manager of the New York Mets, was on that Astros team at the time playing as an outfielder. He was fired from the Mets. Alex Cora, who was, I believe, the bench coach of the Astros at the time, was then the Red Sox manager. Uh, he was fired from the Red Sox, and the Red Sox are actually going through another investigation of their own. Uh, so this is one of the, the biggest scandals that we've seen in the league in quite some time. Um, and from the commissioner's report, it seems like they identified at least uh, seven or eight other teams who had some sort of, of sign-stealing scandal, excuse me, sign-stealing scandal um, that worked to varying degrees of effectiveness. Um, so ultimately, you know, I think that the main debate for this question comes down to was the penalty harsh enough uh, and how bad is this for baseball? Uh, and so you, you can debate the merits of, of how bad that penalty was. I think a lot of people were wanting the league to revoke the Astros World Series title, specifically since you know the, the uh, commissioner of baseball explicitly said in his report uh, that the Astros most likely 
stole signs during the World Series, and that would have given them a significant advantage over the Dodgers to win that World Series. So I understand where that desire to want to revoke that title is coming from. However, I think, I don't know, baseball has has a long history of scandals, which is... <laughs> Not not the best. I mean, but it goes all the way back to 1919 uh, when the the White Sox uh, threw the World Series. Uh, they bet on the Cincinnati Reds and then intentionally lost that that series. So that that's they that 1919 White Sox team is referred to as the Black Sox. So going back, you know, a hundred years, scandals have been a part of baseball, and baseball has done what it thought it needed to do to adequately punish those teams those people who who participate in those scandals so whether it be um uh banning eight players from that white Sox team for life uh banning pete rose for life uh for for his gambling uh in the steroid era you know you got people like like mark mcguire sammy sosa uh barry bonds who most likely won't get into the hall of fame because of their involvement with with steroids uh, baseball feel is doing what it feels like it needs to do without going through and overarchingly changing the history of the game. So you, the the Cincinnati Reds are still listed as the winners of the 1919 World Series. Um, and most likely, because of that, the Astros aren't going to have that championship revoked. Um, and I, I've i got a few other points that I want to make, but I, I want to let you guys get some get some talking points in there too because I don't want to. I find that whenever I get going, I kind of hog, <laughs> hog the microphone here for a little bit. So I'll let you guys go and jump in. Well, it's, Yeah, revoking the World ahead, Series feels... Uh, dumb to me personally because I what are we going to do just not have the 2017 and 2018 World Series are just going to be blank nobody won them we're going to give them to Los Angeles who we don't know would have won them if it wasn't for the cheating because there's so much like if it wasn't for the cheating Los Angeles might have played a different team and lost to them so you can't just change what happens? Um, I think for all intents and purposes, the Astros have had their World Series revoked because it will always be marked by an asterisk that, oh yeah, they cheated to get that. Um, so I don't think, I think the punishment in the culture of baseball has already been handed out in that the Astros have no respect for the team they had built. They have no, um, I, I don't know, fan loyalty around the league is drifting from them now because all the people who were with them because they wanted to watch an up-and-coming team can't be with them anymore because they were cheaters um so i think i think the punishment was harsh enough i don't know what else people want the league to do i guess there's only so much you can do to prevent a team from cheating once they've already done it um, and as for whether or not this is quote unquote good or bad for the sport of baseball, of course it's bad for the sport of baseball. Cheating is bad for sports. That's that's just how it is. But I don't think we should be. I don't know. I feel every time that debate comes up, I kind of roll my eyes because anytime someone says this was bad for baseball, yeah, of course it was bad for baseball. Someone used technology to steal signs. That's that's obviously not a good thing. Well, the only reason I brought that up is because I was watching um, a clip of uh, First Take, uh, oh. and yeah, and I, don't, I I I try not to watch those because I I can't stand those kinds of debate shows just because I mean, it's 
it's as much about the the argument and the the yelling over the top of each other as it is about the substance of what you're talking about. And, and every once in a while, they make some good points. Uh, but I brought it up because uh, Max Kellerman well, was trying to make the argument uh, that this scandal might actually actually be good for baseball, saying that it's bringing them back into the quote unquote national spotlight that they had been falling out of favor in the country, and that baseball is no longer America's pastime and all this this garbage. And so I just wanted to to, to use that as as a a reason to start talking about some of the viewership in Major League Baseball. And actually, 2019 saw a, a notable increase in in viewership for the league across all platforms whether that be you know in person <clears throat> going uh to to games uh attendance uh across 24 no 25 of the the 30 stadiums in the league increased uh, whether that be uh national tv on uh fox espn uh tbs they all saw increased viewership regional sports networks uh were the number one uh uh local broadcasts in prime time uh even you know going to to youtube and and facebook with those those live streams all of those saw increased viewership so i think the argument that oh baseball is kind of old hat and the young people aren't getting it uh and it's 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 good for baseball because it makes it relevant again i think that's total total bs um so I know there's the saying that all publicity is good publicity, but but no. I mean, particularly TJ, you you mentioned it, where a sport is a sport, and and the rules of that sport. If you if you can't play that sport with integrity, there really isn't any point. Because yes, if you think about it, all games are arbitrary, and all the all the rules are arbitrary. But those are the set rules, and if you start to to venture away from those, the game loses all meaning, loses all integrity. So. I don't care what sort of, of publicity you get from this. If people can't believe the game that they're watching, if people can't trust their eyes and say, okay, this is a sport that's actually happening, this is the result uh, that's happening because two of the best players in the world are, are going at it, they're challenging each other authentically and 100% without enhancement in any sort of way, without trying to gain any sort of edge. If you can't believe what you're seeing... The game loses all meaning. I, and I, it's it's tough for me because I I felt very strongly about the the steroid era and and there's the argument that okay, if you you know you inject someone like me with steroids, I'm not going to go hit 74 home runs in a year, right? You still have to have that natural ability. You still have to have the training that uh, you can actually go make contact with a baseball, which is like statistically the hardest thing to do in sports is to hit a baseball or, or something like that. But to me, I think keeping the keeping the World Series, like not taking the World Series away from the Astros is almost worst for the Astros because when you look back, like you said, no, when you look back in history and you look and you say, okay, the White Sox are on record as losing that 1919 World Series. Or you look back at Barry Bonds and or Mark McGuire, any of those guys. They hit 60 home runs or 72 home runs or whatever home runs they hit. But everyone goes, well, they did, but there's always that, like, but they were on steroids. Or, but they threw it, uh, the White Sox threw it because they were gambling. But the Astros stole every single sign. So, to me, that's it's, it's similar to, to Kevin Durant, right? Yes, they've won a championship, but... To me, it's it's worse to have won a championship and cheated to get there. And Kevin Durant didn't cheat, but that's that's a whole another <laughs> argument there. But um, 
yes, they had they have a ring, they won, but does it really count? Like I have more respect for people who are great and never won a ring than those who either cheated or took the easy way out to get there. Like that, they just lose all respect for me. Mm-hmm. And I completely disagree with Max Kellerman's argument that this is good for baseball. This is awful publicity. And yes, it's publicity, but like, I can't remember who said it, it was TJ or no, but uh, you said like getting into the spotlight here is is going to be bad because I don't, why am I going to watch this? Every time I see Jose Altuve come up to bat the rest of his career, I mean, and every time he gets a hit, well, probably wearing a wire or uh, he probably knew that was coming. You know, you, you just doubt everything that they've done and you doubt uh, their their ability as players. I want to see just natural who's better one-on-one team against team in, in a fair matchup. And if you can't do that, then you've just tarnished your, your legacy for, in my case, the rest of your career. I have no reason to trust you anymore because you cheated on, on the world's biggest stage, you know. And I think this goes back then to the punishment where, yes, so we, we all agree that this is bad for baseball, that this does not look good, and this shouldn't happen again. And so I think, you know, the only way to fix it is to, to, to punish teams in a way that will scare other teams. Like, okay, the league is serious. They don't want to see this again. And if you try and pull this, they're going to bring the hammer down on you. And so with that, I'm not sure if the punishment went far enough. I don't think revoking a World Series title would have done anything. It would have been more symbolic than anything else. Um, but for a team, particularly like the Astros, who has such a loaded major league roster losing five million dollars of of cash which is kind of a drop in the bucket for an organization and losing four draft picks i mean yes those those are high round draft picks and you can get some good talent from them uh but a draft pick in in major league baseball is different than say in the nba or the nfl where you can draft someone from college and they can drastically change the makeup of your roster from day one, from that season. So the Astros, I don't think you're going to see them lose any sort of competitive edge anytime soon. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I've talked about this with, with Christian, uh, my brother, one of the analysts on, on Offset Sports on the Air. He is a huge baseball fan. One of the things he wanted to see was have uh, the Astros lose some of their international uh, uh, bonus signing money, uh, where they lose the ability to compete for international free agents. Uh, lose... Uh, he wasn't sure of any other penalties to put in there, but he wanted to see something that would make them lose some of their competitive edge right now, make it hurt right now, coming up for this season, affect their ability to go out and get big-name players because they cheated, because they essentially tore up the integrity of the game. They they spit in the face of baseball and said, hey, we don't care about your rules because we want to win. So I, I agree that the penalty is, well, it, it's a decent start, and I think it is a, a good deterrent for, for teams uh, who might want to do it. Because, I mean, $5 million is a lot. But for Major League Baseball teams, it's not as much as I think people would want it to be. So I, I think it's a good start. But I don't know. I guess I was hoping for a little bit more that would make the Astros hurt right now. That would affect their competitive edge this season. And, yeah, then you're getting to, okay, well, the league is intentionally making the Astros a bad team. So it's a delicate balance. Uh, I think Rob Manfred did a, a decent job, but I think there's room to for a little bit of a harsher punishment as well. I think with that, though, anything short of removing players from the Astros would be, like, I, I don't know how much more you could, like, take away their international signing money they're still like right now have a loaded team so 
I don't know how much you could do right now to make them a worse team. Um, so I'm kind of on the flip side of like I don't I just don't know what else we wanted them to do. I think you said five million dollars is not a, not very much for the ML, or for an MLB team. That's true, but I think the Astros are going to end up losing a lot more um, because this scandal has cost them the most important thing in baseball, and that is fans. Um, they have consistently been one of the more fan-heavy teams, you know, up there with Los Angeles and uh, New York. Um, and I think that a lot of the fans who aren't tied to the Astros by region are going to leave. Um, and that is going to cost the Astros a lot more than $5 million. So I think in the future, we see an Astros team that does not have the money to spend on free agents anymore because they no longer have the fan base they once did. They no longer have the, the entire middle of the country as their region, so to speak, because a lot of people that I've talked to who uh, move around, they they don't have a hometown team they go for the astros because the astros were the up-and-coming team they were the coming powerhouse and they wanted to be on board with that so i think the astros have shot themselves in the foot in that they've they've gave all given all the fans a reason not to trust them and i think that in baseball which is a sport that is so dependent upon the number of fans you have the market size which determines how much money you have to spend on players, I think that truly hurts the Astros in the long run. I think so too, but it just... I think the Astros are going to be fine as well moving forward. I think you'll still see... People are going to want to go see an Astros game because they are still a good team, and there are a lot of people who I think are loyal fans of the Astros. I mean, even going back to the days of, you know, the the late 2010s, early 2010s... I'm oh, sorry, the, yeah, the late 2000s, the early 2010s, where... They sucked. <laughs> they were really bad. So bad that they got booted from the NL Central, moved to the AL Central. Um, uh, and one that was to, uh, or not the AL Central, the AL West, if I'm correct. Yes. Um, they got moved to, to realign the league and make sure that all, all the, the divisions had five teams. But they, they were chosen because they were bad. <laughs> um, and so I think a lot of people through that time, they, they've earned and built some dedicated diehard fans. And I think a lot of people who are Astros fans will be able to get past this. Uh, so I, I think the Astros will be fine, but I do think, yeah, it could affect their ability to sign free agents in the long run where, you know, even if they're not cheating, if they go through and play the cleanest season of baseball you've ever seen this year, where no one cheats, everything's done by the book, everybody uh, is is spotless. I think they'll still lose the the ability where people or free agents who might have otherwise signed with them say, oh, gosh, they're associated with this. I don't want people to think that I'm associated with this now. I don't want this to affect my career, my reputation long term. So it, it could. I think they I think they'll be fine, but I think it could affect their their competitive advantage long term. I just think I, I just what, what I was saying with that punishment, I don't want to see this happen again. I love baseball. I love the the, the competition, the atmosphere. Just the, the, the sport is probably my favorite sport. And I don't want to see it tarnished by this. And this scandal makes me very upset. And I want to make sure that no one has the audacity to try it again. So, it's, yeah, I wish, the, I wish the commissioner could have done more. But I, I do think this is 
enough moving forward. Yeah, that's. I think that's the the main thing here is that it just never happens again. And like after the whole steroid era, now it's like everyone's getting drug tested. You hit a home run, you're getting like six, seven drug tests after that. You know. <laughs> so I. It's just. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. It's embarrassing. Um, that it was so blatant too. And and I'm sure you guys have seen the video of Jose Altuve hitting the game-winning home run and coming down and, like, grabbing his jersey and saying, like, don't pull my jersey off. Have you seen mm-hmm. that video? Mm-hmm. And yes. it, it just makes me think, like, he's reminding his teammates that he's wearing a wire and his teammates will know what he's talking about because everyone knew it was happening. And it's one thing if it's just Barry Bonds, you know, going to his doctor and, and getting injected with steroids. It's another thing if it's everyone knows it. And to me, those, all of those players, every member of that organization is just, it's going to take a hard time to gain trust back. It's going to be hard time. It's going to be hard for them to, to gain that respect back. Cause right now I have no reason to look at them as a, a proper organization at all. They just frustrate me. I'm going to make snide comments about them whenever they're brought up. All of those things. And it's just like, yeah, you you deserved this. You you ruined the game. You thought you were better than the game. You thought the rules didn't apply to you. And that is just so overly frustrating. So it, it needs to end. It cannot happen again. And I sure as heck hope it that this is the last time we need to ever discuss cheating like this in baseball for sure. Moral of the story is that we should all be hired as GMs in baseball, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from this is that because we wouldn't cheat, right? I would I would be fine being a GM of a baseball yeah. team and uh I think I think that would that would suit my, my lifestyle very nicely, I think. Yeah. Gentlemen, we should become uh the front office of the Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. We'll take it over. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Well, our our resume is just we won't cheat like the last guys did, <laughs> and right now we're better than all the money you paid to the last guys because they cheated. So here we go. You could literally and, give us like a a in baseball speak a measly wage. You do not yeah. have to pay us very much at all in comparison to what you pay other baseball players and general managers and whatever. Yeah. All I'm asking for is like. $65,000 and a good benefit package per year. Yeah. That's that's all I need. Yeah. Some and season gear, tickets, obviously. Some, yeah, season tickets. Oh, of some, course. Some free merchandise. And, yeah. And then again, that's that's going to be my – that should be our resume. We have Noah Brown, TJ Bierenbaum, Anthony Mahadi, and it's just in like size 72 font. We don't cheat, period. Here you go. <laughs> Give me a call when you're ready to interview me. <laughs> Because you see all these other baseball managers, the MLB is investigating other managers, right, for yep. potentially cheating. The only people you can be sure, absolutely sure, that they have never cheated in the sport of baseball is people who have never been involved in the sport of baseball. <laughs> Give us a call. Yeah, we, we have podcast comments. If you're listening to this, uh, GMs and owners around the league, drop us a comment Offer us a contract. We'll we'll come wherever you are, and we'll we'll manage your baseball team for you. Q4 podcast on Twitter. Uh, slide into those DMs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sh- shoot us a DM. And at, at the very at the very least, uh, you could you could just sponsor us too. We could be sponsored yeah, take by the shady Houston Astros. 
We can become We'd- the official nonsense podcast of the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. We've gotten it out of our system. That's our baseball talk for the week. Yeah. Uh, moving into the NFL now because I have three questions relating to the NFL. Two related to free agency-ish. No, only one free agency one. Got to go into that one. Q2. Uh, Philip Rivers reportedly has moved his permanent home from San Diego to Florida. Is this a sign? Rumors are are spilling everywhere. Um, where's where's Philip going? There are two teams in Florida with free agents or with free agents scheduled to be at the quarterback position: uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Miami Dolphins. You could even you could even throw Jacksonville in there and say they're mm-hmm. they're kind of up in the air as well, just with the whole spending a crap ton of money on Nick Foles and then having to play that thing instead of him, <laughs> the handlebar. Um, <laughs> so I I don't know I I kind of when I initially read this question I thought no this is not I mean Phil Rivers has got to have like you know three or four homes and I don't think you know, this is a really big deal but then. Um, it is. His, it's going to be his main home or his main location. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where his he's he moved his family home. Okay. It's like where his wife and kids also live is now. It was in San Diego, and they packed up and moved to Florida. Okay. So which that, gives me reason to believe he's going to spend most of his time there. Right. That makes me think since he has a hundred kids that he's going to be <laughs> spending time around that location. Mm-hmm. Um, any of these three teams, I don't think is an upgrade at all from where he's <laughs> at. So, uh, maybe this is kind of just the, the final year or two of his career, or maybe he's, he's going to come out and decide to retire. I, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a guy who's ever going to be able to retire just because he, he wants to play and wants to win so badly. So I don't, I think it, it has some merit to think about this. Originally, I didn't think it meant anything, but now thinking about it more, I I can see that maybe he's he's looking to play in Florida. I think that's that's where I stand on this. I, I think it's possible, but I think I mean your comment right there that he wants to win, that he wants to be competitive, will prevent him from signing with most teams in in Florida. I think really, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are probably the closest to being ready, and even then. All, all three of the the teams in Florida right now are not good. Um, so I think as an aging quarterback who's on the decline, who knows that if he wants to win, he needs to win now. I don't think Florida teams make sense, just scheme-wise make sense for, for his championship aspirations. Um, so going forward, I think, I, if you look at what the, the Chargers' options are following the season, um, in the draft, most likely... Uh, uh, Joe Burrow and Tua are going to be gone by the time the Chargers pick at number six. Uh, and so they do have, uh, uh, what's his first name? Herbert from uh, Justin. Oregon. Justin Herbert from Oregon. Um, he has a, a lot of upside, but is also very raw, very inconsistent. So I think if you draft him, he would be a good person you let sit under someone for a year before throwing them out there, making them start in this league. So I think... 
the Chargers very well could bring back Philip Rivers, have him start for this last season, and then you could also draft uh, Justin Herbert and then have him kind of be the heir apparent to, to Philip Rivers. I think that makes the most sense. I think uh, Philip Rivers likes the Chargers. I think he wants to be with the Chargers, uh, in my very uneducated expert opinion. Um, <laughs> but other than that, if he's going to leave, I think you're going to see him go to a team that has a, a slightly better chance of, of doing something, whether that be, you know, maybe like the Carolina Panthers or maybe the Denver Broncos. Uh, although Broncos, maybe not so much just because uh, the, the guy from Mizzou is doing really well. Um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's the same hesitations that I have when talking about where Tom Brady's going to end up next season. I mean, these guys have become cornerstones of their respective franchises. And until something happens to the contrary, I think their inclination is to stay with those teams and to, to try and help those teams win championships. Because I think both of those quarterbacks know that their teams are their best chances of having success next season. Yeah, the, okay. the Chargers team is, is good. They have a good team there. They have weapons there, but they just they just can't find a way to win. And it, there was something like they lost five or six games by less than three points or something this season. So I, the Chargers have a good team. They're they're there. Like they can they can put it together. So I don't think moving is is necessarily the answer for Phil. But and and I think I there too. You know they have the sixth overall pick. So instead of using that on a quarterback i mean yes justin herbert might might turn out really well but he also might not he's maddeningly inconsistent so he could either be a slam dunk or he could be a strikeout i'm mixing sports metaphors here um (laughs) and so why not instead of taking a quarterback use that pick that high pick to get another weapon for philip rivers why not build this team up one last time give philip rivers one more go and then if it if it works out great, the Chargers go out on top. Philip Rivers can can retire a champion. If not, you know, in addition to having three football teams in Florida, a lot of old people are in Florida. A lot of people retire to Florida. So maybe this is just Philip <laughs> Rivers setting up for his retirement and just wants to hang out with his thousand kids on a beach <laughs> for the rest of his days. Which honestly sounds fantastic. But I yeah. I think I. I Perhaps this is just me personally wanting to see this, but I also think it's the in the best interest for the Chargers and for Philip Rivers. Have Philip Rivers be your starting quarterback next season. I... Get him a team. Get him some good pieces and let the Chargers try and be competitive next season before he retires. I have thoughts on this. My first thought is how good could the Tampa Bay Buccaneers be with a quarterback who doesn't throw 30 interceptions in a season? <laughs> Probably well, pretty how... good. But how good could they be with a declining starting quarterback who is past his prime? Better than a quarterback who throws 30 interceptions, I would think. I'm not sure about that because yeah. if you look, Winston also threw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. So that that is some incredible talent right there. That is some incredible scoring right there. So if you're going to lose that production, yeah, you're going to turn uh, – uh, lower your turnovers but you're also most likely going to lower your your offensive produ- productivity so i don't know if that if philip rivers in tampa bay is much more of a net positive than Jameis winston is. philip rivers threw for 4600 yards this season how many touchdowns 23 how many interceptions 20 <laughs> <laughs> i mean Jameis winston just seems like 
He's just more, amped up Philip Rivers. Yeah, a more exactly. exacerbated Philip Rivers, yeah. So why not just keep Jameis Winston? Um, I don't think they'll keep Jameis Winston either. I don't. I still don't know well, where Jameis is going to go. So. Yeah, he's going right, to the Patriots, exactly. obviously. Um, I also... I don't know about the Chargers. I... I... They have free agency this year. I have a lot of thoughts going on. I'm trying to formulate them. Free agency, they're losing the big ones in Philip Rivers, uh, Melvin Gordon, and Hunter Henry are all free agents at the end of this year. Um, come March 18th, they're all unrestricted free agents, specifically. Um, so I I don't know how many of those stay. Um, they're also losing one of their guards and uh uh, the Watt brother, who's the fullback. Um, so they're losing some pieces. And I don't know how many of those stay because I don't know how many of them want to be in a team with no fans and a team that can't seem to figure out how to win. Um, like you said, all of their, almost all of their losses, I think it was all but one loss last year, came because of one score. Um, and they finished 5-11. and 11. I... I don't know if it's a talent problem, a coaching problem, or what is going on, but a team that finishes 5-11 and 11 should not lose every game by one score. That A team that finishes 5-11 and 11 is statistically supposed to be a bad team, and the Chargers were not necessarily, but I don't know how many of their free agents, which are major pieces of their offense, stick around in a team that, again, has had trouble getting anyone to come to their games, and can't seem to figure out how to win remember though, rivers, this if he is gets a, in- remember this is a, a chargers team that a season ago went 12 and 4 yes so i mean this is still a very talented roster this is a very talented team they just hit a really bad streak in 2019 so i, I do think they should have a little bit of an easier time getting people back just because i think lynn swan is a good coach i think this will be a a competitive team next season so i i, I think this last season was more of an an anomaly than what we can expect from the Chargers moving forward. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's hard. Just looking down their their depth chart, it looks like like uh, there's a lot of pieces there, like really good names, names that are uh, that are like household names. I mean, Melvin Ingram on the defensive line, Joey Bosa. And you have uh, Denzel Perryman as well. And then you go up to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who had a breakout season. And Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. All those guys are, are really, really good players. And you look at that and you think, how do they not get more than five wins? And, and yeah, I agree that it was kind of a... Um, it was an anomaly when you, when you lose that many games that close. You think, okay, if we, if we win half of those games were 10 and 6 instead of 5 and 11. So that's a big change for your team just and usually that gets broken down to either coaching or a quarterback play. So I don't know, the pieces are there, but with all the free agents, this could be the the destruction of the Chargers team. And especially if Phil Rivers goes, then it's Tyrod or Tyrod, however you actually Tyrod. say it, Taylor and uh and then whoever they draft or whatever moves that they make so the pieces are there and it's going to be kind of sad to see this team with all this pieces all these pieces be unsuccessful and then kind of fall apart
Yeah, that's, there's many more that's things a, I would like to say, but yeah, it's the same uh, sad story. Yeah, yeah. Same I many more things. Story I would a team called maybe maybe a team from Dallas and a team from Minnesota also feel <sighs> the the position of having all the pieces and going all in and then not winning and i just uh i wouldn't know how that <laughs> uh, feels at all you know none of us know but buddy do you want to be feels. here for the next five hours to yeah <laughs> we could be airing all of our grievances all of our grievances uh, about what could have been uh, speaking of quarterbacks that could have been <laughs> uh, okay uh q3 we're just gonna hop nine right into it before, before i make yep before I make Noah too sad. 9 out of 24, that's fair. <laughs> yep. Um, Eli Manning announced his retirement earlier this week. Uh, there's been a lot of debate whether or not he should be a Hall of Fame quarterback. So what do we think, because our opinions are the only ones that matter, should he be Hall of Fame quarterback? I've said this for the last four or five years, that if there were a Hall of Very Good, Eli Manning would be the first, first person inducted in there, you know, unanimous vote in. I mean, he was a very good quarterback. Um, I think you, know, you can break down, and I've gone back and forth on this question of whether or not he should be a, be a Hall of Famer. And so I think you, you can look at the stats, and yeah, he had a career 500 record. Um, and just because he played for so long, he's, he's kind of up there, you know, in, in terms of, of career yardage, career touchdowns. Uh, so it's, it's not like he's, he's a total bum. Um, but he doesn't have the resume of someone, say, like, you know, Drew Brees or Tom Brady uh, or, heck, even his brother, Peyton Manning. Um, in, even against some of the other guys in his draft class, I think you, you look at guys like uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. Um, they're all kind of in that same category. It's like, yeah, they're they're decent quarterbacks. They've been around for 15 years. Uh, so that, that says something. And, you know, everyone except Rivers has, has at least one Super Bowl ring. So th- there are arguments to be made. Um, but I think if you look just at the stats, that takes away from the narrative. And so I think the Hall of Fame is as much about the, the, the fabric of the game, the history of the game, as it is about the individual stats and the individual accolades. And if you look, uh, Eli Manning played one of the largest roles in the upset of the New England Patriots, uh, that perfect team. He is forever embedded, woven into the fabric of this league, into the story of this league. When you think of biggest moments from the last two decades, Eli Manning is right up there. It, with two of them in, in both Super Bowls that he won over the New England Patriots. And so I think what he's meant to that Giants franchise, what he has done for for New York, what he's done for everybody in beating the, the undefeated New England Patriots and not letting Patriots fan have, have another thing uh, to be obnoxious about, I think can't be understated. And so I think it's because of that, it's the, the importance that he has in some of the chapters of this league's history, I think that is worth a Hall of Fame nomination. I think he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I don't think all Hall of Famers are created equally. I don't think putting Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame says he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Not even close. I wouldn't put him in my top 20. But I think his his career what he's done that body of work his resume is worthy of being a hall of fame quarterback (sighs) i don't know 
I just, <laughs> I so I'm I've always been partial to Peyton. He's he was my favorite quarterback. He was my favorite player. Um, and Eli to me is just the like they won the same amount of Super Bowls. And I don't think Eli Manning is anywhere near the player, even the athlete that Peyton Manning is, which oh. is not saying much at all. <laughs> not um, even close. No. Yeah. And and like the thing that made Peyton so good was his abil- uh, his ability to prepare and and see reads and change in the moment and outthink the other team. And while Eli was a smart quarterback because of his his lack of athleticism, he's not in that same echelon that Peyton Manning was. And I just I have a hard time putting him because Peyton Manning in my mind is undoubtedly a Hall of Fame quarterback. Absolutely. I think he's one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. And like you said, Eli Manning in, in your list, Noah, isn't even in the top 20. So I agree what he did for the sport was great. Kind of the David and Goliath Super Bowl taking down the undefeated Patriots. But I don't know. There's been so many really good players. And to me, he's just at his very best. He was just really good. He was never great. He was never outstanding. And it's hard to even say, and, and maybe in that Super Bowl alone, but in a lot of other games, I don't know he was the best player on the field. I I mean, he had... I, it's just hard. It's, it's, it's hard because I don't think he was ever the, the best player on the field. Yeah, that's what I'm going to stick with. I just, I don't know. And so, I, like, I, I'd be okay I totally- with it either way. I, I totally understand if he doesn't make it in. Uh, so I personally, well, I, I think he should be in. It's not like I'll be losing any sleep if he doesn't make it in. I, I th- There are legitimate arguments for both sides. So while I would like to see him get in, like I said, I mean, he would be probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, which is still, I mean, saying something like he was a, a good quarterback. He was a very good quarterback. Um, but no, he's not going to be in the same conversation as people like, you know, Joe Montana or Roger Staubach or Terry Bradshaw or any of those other guys who have made it in. So I, I totally understand if he doesn't make it in, and I, I won't be upset if he doesn't. I just, the thing that aggravates me the most is is when people say, oh, he's won two Super Bowls, so he's as good or better as everyone who's ever won one Super Bowl or equal to everyone who's won two Super Bowls. And that, to me, is just dumb. I think that's just wrong. Because if he doesn't win, if if David Tyree doesn't make that catch, let's let's simplify it down to that one play. Because that was a third and, like, 13, correct? Or third and 14? It was third down? Something like that, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was fourth quarter, and there was time was running out. If David Tyree doesn't make that catch, I don't think we have this conversation right now. Oh, I don't think so. I, I, I totally they, agree. Yeah, and and that Super Bowl to me is great, and it's it's one of the most elusive accomplishments you can ever gain. But if if you break it down to that, if he doesn't win that Super Bowl, it's not even a question in my mind. He's not in the Hall of Fame. But because and because of who he beat. That's what makes it this even a conversation, which I don't think is really, I don't know. I don't know if that's fair. I, that I, it was, it feels like kind of a fluke to me is what I'm saying. I, so, I don't think, I don't think it is fair, but I mean, it, it goes both ways. Quarterbacks more so than any other position 
are judged by Super Bowl wins. So I think, yeah, if Eli Manning doesn't win those two Super Bowls, we're not having this conversation. Heck, I think even if he just has has one Super Bowl, we're we're not having this conversation. But I think you, you can't just say, oh, well, if those Super Bowls are, are the only thing. Like, yes, the, he has two Super Bowls. Those did happen. And so I think those are an important part of, of his Hall of Fame resume. And so let's say there's this imaginary threshold where you have to cross a certain legacy number. You have to do, have this many points to get in. Even if it's just the two Super Bowls that get you there, it's going to get you there. And so even though he might just barely cross that threshold, I think he does. And so it's debatable, yes. And I think you know there there's a lot of, of argument and uh, good arguments for both sides. But I think to, to discount those two Super Bowls, it, it goes both ways. Quarterbacks more so are judged by those Super Bowl wins. I think you have to take that into consideration. I want to say one thing and that is the giants have two super bowls right they have one team with the super bowl in 2008 that should have won the world or should have won the super bowl we we're talking about baseball too much should have won the super bowl okay <laughs> i was gonna say if they should have won the world series that that says a lot about the mlb teams in 2008 so <laughs> they had a good team in 2008 not gonna debate that in 2011 they do not win the Super Bowl if it's not for Eli Manning. Their team consisted of Eli Manning at quarterback, Ahmad Bradshaw at running back, who ran for 659 yards. Uh, Hakeem Nix was their good wide receiver. Um, on defense, they had a defensive line that combined for six sacks on the season. Ooh. They expected, from pro football reference, the expected win-loss of this team is 7-9. and nine. If it's not for Eli Manning playing the way he did that season, they do not even make the playoffs. And they won the Super Bowl. I think that's enough to elevate him because it's, as we talk about, it's a team game, right? You know, teams can carry quarterbacks to Super Bowls but quarterbacks can also carry teams to Super Bowls, right? So I think that the reason he's Hall of Fame is not because he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but because he did what very few quarterbacks are able to do, and he took a team that, for all intents and purposes, did not want to make the playoffs. (laughs) And he took them, and he beat a team that up until that point had not lost. And yes, it's a narrative. Yes, if if he doesn't do that, we aren't having this conversation. But he did do that. So, so I think that's what that's what elevates it. And and so, that goes back to my original argument where the narrative is important and you can't talk about the history of the league, you can't talk about the history of the last couple of decades of this sport without mentioning Eli Manning's name in a pretty significant way. Yeah. Yeah. It, so let me ask you this. And this is this I, I was thinking of two different comparisons, but you talked about the team that shouldn't have made the playoffs, that that shouldn't have won, and they went all the way and they won the Super Bowl. Okay, that's yes, but does that mean that let's say like the Vikings when they lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship, does that mean if the Vikings go on win that game and then win the Super Bowl that 
now all of a sudden we have to think about Case Keenum and think about if he is possibly, like if he sustained some of that success, is he now thinking about an, a Hall of Fame quarterback? That no. year the Vikings had one of, that had, they had the top defense in the NFL. Yeah. And they had and, wide receiver weapons, they had a running back, they had all of the pieces that quote-unquote shouldn't have won the Super Bowl, but that was because they had a backup quarterback. The 2011 Giants had the 25th rated defense in the league. Yeah, and so I think that minimizes what Eli Manning meant for his team. And uh, Case Keenum spent his entire career as a backup. And so I, I think that's minimizing the, the requirements to make it into the Hall of Fame as just winning a Super Bowl. And if you have that conversation, you need to have that same conversation about guys like Trent Dilfer, who was the quarterback for the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so I, I th- winning a Super Bowl is not the only requirement. Eli Manning has that, that weird combination of longevity, stats because of that longevity, some of that narrative, and having a really crappy team for most of his, his time in New York that makes him a, a special case. So I, I saw an article somewhere that said, uh, the, the headline was, Eli Manning would lower the standard for Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I don't think so. I think this is a, a special case where all the circumstances are playing in just right. And if you put him in, I don't think it's then you have to start considering every everybody and their grandmother who won a Super Bowl as a quarterback. Uh I, I just I, I don't buy that argument. I, I think Eli Manning is is a better player than his record indicates. I think Eli Manning is a better player than most people give him credit for, specifically because of the lack of talent he's had on his teams for most of his career. And and so maybe the okay I coming to realization with this, I can see that it was the he's he's been good for a long time and then this is just kind of what what put him over the edge i i'd be okay with that and if he made it in because of that i could live with that i just don't like people who say he's better than peyton because he's not oh he's not no he's absolutely not and and i i think on that same argument there's there's no way you can argue that eli manning is better than most of the quarterbacks in the hall of fame if he gets in he will most likely be the worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame, which is still something to hang your hat on because you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, but no, I I don't think there's any way you can argue that he's better than Peyton Manning, than you know uh, Joe Namath, than uh, Steve Young, Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, Len Dawson, uh, Troy Aikman, any of those guys. I don't think you can make the argument that Eli Manning is better, and I don't think anybody will because he's not. He objectively is not. But I do think that his career, isolated from all those other guys, is worthy of being recognized in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. I think it's important to remember when it comes to the Hall of Fame, it's you shouldn't look at it necessarily in the context of who's there and are they worse than the people who are already there. Because there will always be a worst person in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's... The whole nature of the Hall of Fame is that someone's going to be better than someone else. Um, So if you're putting someone in the Hall of Fame, you don't need to have the conversation, well, are they the worst person in the Hall of Fame? It's very possible that they are. It's very possible that Eli Manning is the worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame. But I think that's okay because you have to have one of those. And I think you do, like Noah said, you need to isolate it. You need to look at it and say, is his career... Because it is narrative, it is a Hall of Fame, it's not the Hall of Stats, it's the Hall of Fame, right? And is his career impactful enough on the history of the NFL 
to make it in the Hall of Fame? And I would say, without a doubt, yes, because he he is the quarterback of the narrative where it's he he stopped the undefeated team, and I think that is enough to put him there. That's fair. That's a good point about Hall of Fame, not Hall of Stats. I like that. I like that take. Yeah. I have good takes occasionally. doesn't happen often, but I, Very I can pull them rarely. out when I need them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of takes that were going to be no good, um, Q4. Pro Bowl was dumb, and I refuse to talk about it, so we're just going to skip right over it. Uh, we're going to go to the Super Bowl and predict things again because all of our predictions were wrong. Um so, it's 49ers Chiefs. It's a, it's a lot of red in the Super Bowl. And uh, who... I, I want to ask your predictions for who's going to win. And I also want to ask who do you want to win. I saw a... Um, I think it was on Bleacher Report. So, one of their analysts, uh, I think pretty concisely wrapped up the philosophies of the, of both teams and what this game's going to come down to. It's either uh, it's hit them with speed versus making them bleed. The Chiefs have a, a fantastic offense. They have so many weapons, and they can score from pretty much anywhere at any time on the field. Any one of their receivers, running backs, tight ends, or heck, even their quarterback, is, is capable and liable to... Uh, score on any given play and they they can run around you they can run through you they've got some great speed however the 49ers are gonna make you hurt they are one of those old school 1980s football teams that is just smash mouth gonna punch you right in the face uh take it right to you instead of running around you they're gonna run through you uh, and so I think really what you're going to see is this game's going to come down to uh, there's always that one marquee matchup, one unit from one team versus the other unit on the other. And so I think this team is going to come down to the Chiefs offense versus the Niners defense. And I think as good as that Niners defense is, I think the Chiefs offense is slightly better and they're going to be able to score They're You're not going to be able to hold down this Chiefs team for a full four quarters. And so they're going to put up at least 28 points. And with that, you're going to have to keep up. You're going to have to score. This game very well could be a shootout, a hard-hitting shootout, uh, a defensively focused shootout, which is kind of weird and oxymoronic to say. Um, <laughs> but the Chiefs or the, the the Niners are going to have to keep up with the Chiefs. And for as good as their running game is, I don't think that will be enough unless they have a night like they did in the AFC championship game where they, uh, sorry, the NFC championship game where they ran over the Packers and put up 200 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. <clears throat> I, you're going to have to throw the ball and talk about Jimmy G all you want debate his talent debate. Uh, you know, how good of a quarterback he is. There's no way you're going to convince me that he is nearly as good of a quarterback as Patrick Mahomes is. And I think that matchup Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the deciding factor. I think, without a doubt, Mahomes wins that battle. And barring some, you know, the perfect game from the San Francisco 49ers defense, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I want the Chiefs to win. Um, I think you'll see a very high-scoring, very fun Super Bowl. I think you'll see something, you know, like a a, a 35-31, uh, 42-38 final score with the Chiefs coming out on top. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I think about, because this is kind of a, an offense versus defense 
Super Bowl, like you said. And I think of the last one that made me think like that was uh, Broncos and Seahawks. And but here, here's the difference in my mind is that the Seahawks defense was better than I believe the San Francisco 49ers defense is right now. And the offense of the Chiefs is better than the Broncos were at that time. So I just don't think you can stop Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what game plan you come up with to stop Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Because you can they can run the football. He can throw the football like crazy. You have all the creativeness with uh, Tyreek Hill and all the weird stuff that Andy, uh, that Andy Reid has drawn up. And then you have Patrick Mahomes, who last week shows he's more than capable to be mobile and run for first downs and extend plays and convert on third downs just using his legs. I mean, heck, you then, look at that uh, right before the half, that 30-yard touchdown run he had. He broke like five tackles on that play. I think yeah. that incredible. And that's that's what, I'm, what it's coming down to is that the coaching staff for uh, – for San Francisco has been fantastic all year long, but I just don't know how you draw up a game plan against the Chiefs. And on the other side of the coin, if you're the Chiefs, it's pretty it's pretty out there what they're going to do. I would say let Jimmy Garoppolo drop back and beat you through the air and try, try to do whatever you can to stop the run and just hold on to the run, contain the run, and then have Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. And if he does and it becomes a shootout like their week, what was that, like week 15 or 16 against the Saints, hmm. then that's fine. I like my quarterback Patrick Mahomes in a shootout more than I like Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I just think it's easier to game plan against um, against the 49ers than it is against the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs are going to win. I want the Chiefs to win. I love Tyreek Hill. I love Patrick Mahomes. I think they're a great combination. Um so I'm going with a, a Chiefs victory, and I think it's going to be all touchdowns. It's going to be 35 to 28 coming down the stretch. I am not as confident in the Chiefs offense as you guys are, mostly because the 49ers defense, specifically their defensive front, scares me so much. Um, they have proven that even the best offenses in the league, a.k.a. the Packers, can't do squat against them um and Andy Reid is going to need to game plan something incredible to get past what is a very basic defense but it's a very fundamental defense um and I'm not sure just how easy that'll be um the 49ers defense runs on a a mentality that it's all coverage sacks right so you get receivers covered and they don't get uncovered and then eventually quarterback has to go down because he's got nothing Patrick Mahomes can run but he cannot run for 200 yards in this game I I don't see that happening I don't think he has to though I think you look the the Niners scheme of coverage sacks of dropping seven back and letting your front four get to the quarterback I think Patrick Mahomes his skill set plays into that, and I think he can effectively counter that. I don't think he's going to have a clean jersey at the end of the game. I think he's going to take some hits. This Niners front is is too good, and I, I am, have a whole lot of respect for this 49ers defense. They are one of the best defensive units in all football right now. But I think they're going to have to bring in extra pressure to try and get to Mahomes, because if you let him run around, 
with only four guys, no matter how good those four guys are, he's going to find some opportunities to run. And all it takes is one run, like he had in the in the championship game, 30 yards and a touchdown, to break a game open. And so I think you're going to see the Niners are going to have to bring in some more pressure to try and contain uh, Patrick Mahomes. And if you give him enough time, he's going to beat you. He is going to, to burn you, whether it be through the air or on the ground. So I think Pat Mahomes will make the Niners' defense uncomfortable enough to where they might have to leave what they usually do and bring in some extra pressure and that's going to play in to Patrick Mahomes' strengths in this game. If the defense is able to shut down Patrick Mahomes in any sense and make the Chiefs rely on their running game it, it might be difficult for, for the Chiefs to get through but I, I do believe Patrick Mahomes will be able to to beat this 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 San Francisco defense enough to where you're gonna have, you're gonna see Jimmy G have to start to throw the ball more than six times a game. Maybe I'm and, just more scared because I watched the 49ers eviscerate the Vikings, and I know what they I, can do against a team that's not prepared. So and I, I think the Chiefs, this Chiefs team, is prepared though, and I yeah. think I, I think this Chiefs team is better than the Vikings. I well, think. Obviously, yeah, yes. and so. I they beat the Vikings I like, with a backup quarterback. They're obviously better than the Vikings. Yes, I I like their chances. I I think they've and perhaps I'm just buying in. You know, being in Jefferson City, you know, there are a lot of Chiefs <laughs> fans around here. There's a lot of hype. I'm buying into Mahomes mania, but there is nothing that man cannot do. He's he's just a a ticking time bomb. He you as you saw in the Houston game, you cannot. It, I mean, you have to play 60 minutes of perfect defense against him because one mistake and the Chiefs team has the ability to go boom, 75 yards, touchdown, just like that. And then all of a sudden, holy crap, they just scored in 20 seconds. Now the pressure's on us. Yeah. Like They have that ability to just snap and go mental for a quarter and put up 35, 42 points in a quarter. They have that ability. And, and they just play so well with momentum. Once they get going, they're so hard to stop. And I, it's just a matter of time, in my opinion, before Mahomes makes that big play. And, and I think it just has to happen on Sunday. It, it's going to be up to Jimmy G and, and the 49ers to see if they can respond to that. And if they can, I think we'll have a close game. If they can't, Chiefs might run away with it. Like I said, so I, I still think this is going to be a very close game. I think this will be a fun game to watch. Um, and I think it's going to be a very offensive-oriented game. Uh, but I just the, the Chiefs, I think, have more talent on the offensive side of the ball and have a competent enough defense to slow down the Niners' defense enough, slow down the running game to where Jimmy G's going to have to throw the ball. It'll be fun. It'll be close. I don't think the Chiefs are going to run away with this one. I don't think it's going to be you know, like a 21-point blowout or, heck, even you know a 35-point blowout like we saw with the uh, the Broncos and Seahawks, as you mentioned, Anthony. Um, but until I see otherwise, I, I trust Mahomes. I, I trust this Chiefs team more so than I trust Jimmy G and the Niners offense. Yeah, that's fair. I don't trust Jimmy G nearly as much as anyone else does i guess i think i think jimmy g is a system quarterback i think he's good i think he's a good game manager but i do not think he makes the big plays um so it's really going to come down to niners defense versus mr (laughs) mahomey see see who comes out on top 
And I think part of it is Jimmy G just hasn't had to make those big plays, and that that speaks volumes for this Niners team, for how talented they are, how good their rushing attack is, how good their defense is, where Jimmy G has just been able to be a game manager, has been able to, uh, you know, throw the the check down passes, run the offense as as he needs to. Uh, I don't think he'll be able to do that this game, and... I, th- I think he has the talent to do it. I just don't think he has the practice to do it. I don't think he'll he'll be able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. Nonetheless, it's going to be explosive. There's going to be fireworks. I think it's it's going to be great. And I'm still waiting for a halftime show that's going to be entertaining and good. I'm still waiting for one. I want to see like Metallica do the halftime show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's never gonna happen. But that's that's a different discussion for a different day. But I just ugh, I just want something fast paced that gets me hyped up, not friggin' Maroon Five. <laughs> Who but, is doing the halftime show this year? Isn't it Shakira J-Lo and, J-Lo? and Shakira? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. It's like, come on! Like this isn't 1990. Let's go. Let's get someone in there. <laughs> That's uh, gonna well, Metallica would be 1992, but I was gonna say whatever. that's like 1970. I, I'm just I don't know if that's <laughs> <laughs> guys are all in their 60s now. Yeah, <laughs> bunch of old gray-haired retirees playing guitar on Super Bowl halftime show. I feel like every sports league is trying to appeal to the younger audience and expand its demographic. So I always feel like any of these halftime shows, any of these these performances that that leagues bring in, it's it's to get to the quote the youngins, the 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 hipsters and the and the cool people, um, because I don't know, it, it 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 doesn't make sense to me. But I yeah, there I haven't watched a halftime show I think since like two thousand nine. That's yeah, where you go, refill go get on food. nachos. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the halftime show is the perfect uh, break time for, for snack refills and Smash Bros. Yep. <laughs> there you go. How good would Chicago be, though? No, oh, my gosh. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There there was a petition uh, four years ago uh, because uh, Chicago was celebrating its 50th anniversary, I believe, when uh, Super Bowl 50 was going on. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, everybody was like, uh, Super Bowl 50 for Chicago 50. Uh, and it had several thousand signatures. Uh I don't think this lineup, I don't like this lineup that Chicago has as much as I did, say, four years ago, but I would still be totally on board because they've got some some bangers. And they've done, over the last few years, they've done tours with, with other, you know, 70s and 80s rock groups like, you know, uh, uh, Rick Springfield or REO Speedwagon or the Doobie Brothers. So if you get, like, they're doing all these matchups at the Super Bowl, why not do that? They've got some... Uh, Get Chicago, get REO Speedwagon, uh, get the Doobie Brothers, get all of their their best rock hits. You don't want any of the, the slow battles, even though their slow battles are fantastic. Get all of their rock hits and just play those for a half hour. That is a halftime show I would love to see. That's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying. What about we perform a live podcast for the halftime <laughs> oh, show for the Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Nothing gets people ramped up more than three guys just talking at normal volume, right? <laughs> like that is that just hypes me up to. We know can it. shout if they want. <laughs> we can yell. So over the course of this podcast, we have become general managers for the Houston Astros and Super Bowl Fifty Four halftime performers. 
I think it's a pretty good gig. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. I'm I like where this it. is going. This will this will end with us people. having jobs. I guarantee it. <laughs> and if it all works out, we'll become rich enough where we can all just retire and do this full time. Just, just podcast. Yeah, That'd start be fantastic. You can start Den Boys Multimedia and just produce all of the podcasts. <laughs> oh man! And on Someday. that future prediction. <laughs> I think it's time we 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 uh, hit the before hit we the go. End. Oh, before we go. Hashtag Romo twenty twenty. Hashtag Romo twenty twenty. Hashtag Romo twenty twenty. <laughs> oh, love it.